Hi everybody, my name is Nick Beard. I'm the audiovisual director here at Peninsula Covenant Church, or PCC. Welcome to our message podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Merry Christmas, everybody. Good to see you. My name is Gary. I'm so glad you're here. Uh, As Janet said, we're talking about hope this season. We just talk about hope all the time because that's what Jesus is. He's hope. Uh, So we're talking about actually walking through the Roman Empire, the far eastern Roman Empire at the time of Christ and barriers to hope. Last week, we talked about dark, dark times that Jesus uh, was coming into an occupied territory. And we talked about the darkness will not last because Jesus gives hope. This week, we're going to talk about when plans change. And I want you to know we have a, a, um, a devotional that goes along with this. Uh, and they're for sale back there for $15. It starts December 1st, so you're two days into it if you buy it today. It is so worth it. I'm going through it for my second time. Uh, I went through it in November. And there's a kids section in here. If you have kids in your home, there's questions to ask your kids. It's called, Oh, Come, Let Us Adore Him. It's over there, 15 bucks. If you can't afford it, Janet will buy your book for you. Right, Janet? Yeah, right on. Good. Awesome. So grab your message notes, and um, they look like this, or turn your Bible app on, Uversion app on, and find us where we are. The notes are live there. We're talking about being bewildered in Nazareth. Let me ask a question. How many planners in the room? Come on, be, be proud. You're the godly ones. Uh, how many spontaneous people in the room? Be proud. You're the godly ones. Spontaneous? Right. Awesome. Okay, I am a planner. My wife, soon to be of 27 years, is spontaneous, and this creates quite a dynamic in our marriage, uh, even up to yesterday. But on our honeymoon, uh, we were going off, and you just need to know for me, here's how a planner I am. My senior year of high school, between high school and college, I worked at my father's company. It was a union shop, so I got, had to get paid union wages as a 17-year-old, and I took all that money and set it aside so this is my marriage money. Uh, it was 2000 bucks at the time. And I said, this is my marriage money. And uh, eight years later, it grew. And I took that money and paid for our wedding rings and our honeymoon completely cash. That's how planned out I was. So we're getting ready for the honeymoon. And we're on the plane uh, flying to Hawaii. And I actually found the ad on the plane that my wife saw. Can we get that ad? This one right there. Okay, so with our honeymoon package, it came in Hawaii with a condo. And do you remember these cars? A Yugo. Okay, remember those? So we're on the plane, and Ann goes, wow, raise the roof. I want to raise the roof. Let's get a Mustang convertible. I'm like, no, I planned for this. Anyway, the spontaneous one won, and everything was great till the spontaneous one said, as we were driving on Highway 1 in Kauai, let's go off-road onto this beach. And then we got stuck on the beach. Uh, It's a whole different story, though, okay? Planners, spontaneous, right? Uh, Rick Warren said this, look at this. He's a pastor in Southern California. He said, so much serenity would come from understanding this truth. Nothing ever goes exactly the way you planned. Isn't that true? Uh, The Bible says it even better than Rick Warren, if you can believe that. Look what it says in Proverbs 16.9. This is actually so important for me, a planner. In the hearts, humans plan their course, but... Keyword, contrast, the Lord establishes their steps. So let me ask you a question. Have you ever had your plans changed by God? Anyone ever had your plans changed by God? Yeah, me too, right? 
That's what, the, that's what the Christmas story is all about, everybody. If you remember or you just read through in Matthew and Luke, the two Christmas accounts in the biographies of Jesus, it's all about change of plans, right? Zechariah and Elizabeth, old people who never could have a kid, they're thinking, well, that's just our lot. God shows up and says, change of plans. You're going to have a child. And then there's uh, Joseph who's engaged, and God shows up and says, change of plans. Your uh, engaged person is, is pregnant with a child. Mary, she's a 13-year-old. Think of these middle schoolers who just left, the girls. That's Mary in a small village. And God shows up to her and says, ha, change of plans. You think you're, you know, we're going to talk about her later. Shepherds, the wise men in Iraq, God, modern-day Iraq. God shows up and says, change of plans. Finally, they have the baby. There's a holy family hanging out. In Israel, God says, change of plans, time to go to Egypt. And then at some point in Egypt, God says, change of plans, time to come back to northern Israel. The Christmas story is all about change of plans. Change happens. In the book of Luke, the story we're going to enter into, it's my favorite change of plans story. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. Open your Bibles there or turn on your Bibles. And uh, here's what it says in the scriptures, okay? Look in your Bibles here. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, that was the old woman I told you about. She's pregnant now. God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, to a town in Galilee, to a virgin, pledged to be married. That's just a modern way of saying engaged, but it's different back then. We'll talk about that. She was engaged to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. David was a king in the Old Testament. That's important based on the prophecies of who the Messiah would be. The virgin's name was Mary. Now, where are we in, the, um, in Israel? We're in a town called Nazareth, very small rural village. Think Bakersfield of uh, Israel, okay? Small and rural. As a matter of fact, about five years ago, they dug up Nazareth. They found it and dug it up. You know how many homes were they dug up? Eight. Eight. Small village, okay? Now, think about that. I don't know if you've ever been in a rural setting, but rumors fly, in small villages, right? Back talking, there's a whole different dynamic than being in a suburb like we are. You almost couldn't get farther from the cultural and religious center of the known world. For the Jews, a religious center was about 100 miles south in Jerusalem. Uh, for anyone in the Roman Empire, Israel was in the Roman Empire in the first century, it was in Rome. And yet God chooses this uncanny place, a small no-name village, a teenage 13, 14-year-old girl, and says, change of plans. It's amazing. Now, what were her plans? See what it says in Luke 1, 26 to 27? She was pledged to be married. She was engaged, but it's different than our engagement. In the first century in Judaism, a couple technically were married at this point. Everything was in place. It was a legal contract. The only way to break the pledge was for a right of divorce. You had to get a divorce. Um, it was a 12-month period of preparation time, formal engagement. Uh, there was no, well, there was very little social contact in that 12-month period. There was no physical contact. As a matter of fact, in the religious culture that they lived in, the 12-month period was to make sure there was purity in the relationship. And then after 12 months, the husband would go away for 12 months, and of those eight homes, 
the pledged husband would build out a room next to his father's, in his father's home, the home he grew up in. And then when the room was ready, he'd go back and get his, the woman who he was pledged to be married with. Now, just a side note, remember when Jesus, before he died, he used this very ritual and said, in my father's house are many what? Rooms. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. It was pledge language, betrothal language. It's what he was saying to his bride. I'm coming back. The bride never knew when the party would happen, when the room was ready and the engaged man would come back in the first century. But there'd be lanterns. Jesus told a whole parable about this, right? Lanterns, and she just had to be ready. And so um, then they would have, and I think we should bring this back. Our wedding was amazing. Our, um, our, our party after the wedding, unbelievable. I mean, we did it right. But in the first century, one week. The whole wedding lasted a week. Amazing, right? Crazy. And there was a story about that in John chapter 2 when a father of the bride uh, ran out of wine at the wedding. Remember that? Well, when you have a wedding for a week, now you can understand why you'd run out of wine. So that's what's going on, right? She's betrothed. Now, if you've ever been engaged, you know it's a time filled with super big expectations. Our engagement was four months, and we packed a lot of expectations in those four months. Gosh, in some ways, I prepared eight years for my wedding, right? And the angel comes to Mary and says, I know you're expecting a wedding shower. Change of plans. We're going to have a baby shower for you. Holy cow. Why does this matter? Why are we talking about this? I promise you, in spite of all your plans and expectations for the next three weeks, we're all in for some surprises. I promise you. Uh, Airport flights will be delayed. Uh, The meal on Christmas Day won't go like you planned. Someone won't show up. Gifts won't come your way. Gifts you bought five months ago, you have no idea where you hid them. (laughs) You can't find them. And I care about that. And this is very relevant to that. But here's what I really care about that. I say to this very sensitively. Some of you aren't experiencing Christmas with someone you wanted to. Some of you have a strained relationship. And you're longing to have reconciliation. But as far as is humanly possible for you, it can't happen because they won't come to the table. Some of you enter Christmas with a lament. I've been there. I've been there. And this is very relevant for us. Okay, And we need to be sensitive to that with each other. It's one of the things why God calls us to gather every Sunday once a week. It's one of the best things. I listen to about 10 podcasts a week, and I love great teaching. It's just part of my love language. But I can't get what I get here. I can't get you hugging me and holding me and looking me in the eye. I can't sit next to good friends and celebrate the fact we made it another week. God's still faithful, right? That's what we get with each other. Can we get an amen? Amen. Someone say that? I love that. So that's what's going on, and that's where we're going. Our big idea, you can see it on the bottom uh, of page two, actually. Just keeping you on your plans, putting the big idea on page two. Uh, Christmas is not just an announcement to Mary. This is really important, everybody. Christmas is God's cosmic announcement to all of humanity. Change of plans. And the change of plans is not just the fact that a virgin was having a baby. Ultimately, this is so good. The change of plans is this. Do I have everyone's attention? Death has been interrupted. 
the worst aspect and biggest fear and biggest change of plans that you fear and I fear. Jesus has swooped in and made available for each one of us a life that is eternal that starts today, right now. Change of plans. That's why we celebrate Christmas. It's a change of plans we all need. Listen, I want to say this to you, whether it's a holiday meal, a gift you want to get, or you're facing unthinkable circumstances. We'll talk to all of that. Don't let your plans, and you're tracked in on that plan, have you missed out on God's purpose for your life and your Christmas. We're going to see a woman that I admire more than any other biblical character outside of Jesus as a teenager who wrote God basically a blank check. And if there's students in the room, a check is the original Venmo <laughs> or PayPal. She said to God, wow, I didn't plan this. Doesn't matter. I'm all in. It's unbelievable. Okay? So let's jump in that. I want to say and speak this very sensitively. Here's my first point, top of page one. First point is this that I learned from Mary. Everything has and is going to change. That's life. Everything has and is going to change. You may not believe this, but there's a point where I weighed 185 pounds. Full head of hair. I even had a mullet at one point my sophomore year in, in college. They were in back in the 80s, right? Things change. Look what happens here. Let's jump back into the story. Luke chapter 1, verse 34. How will this be, Mary asked the angel. I'm a virgin. Now, there's a curiosity to her. There's, there's, this is why I love, and I think part of the reason God came to a teenager, they're curious. Uh, God changed the plans of her ancient cousin, probably in the 70s or 80s, named Zechariah. He asked the same question. I talk about this in your notes, in the middle of your notes. And he said, how can this be? And he gets cursed for it. Mary asks the same question and gets blessed and answered. What's the difference? Zechariah's like, yeah, right. Mary says, yeah, how? See, she leans into it, okay? Really important. And the reason I point that out is because uh, many of us are facing circumstances where God's given us a word. We'll get, we'll get to that in a minute. And our circumstances completely betray that word. And you can't see the trajectory of today to that promise. And so you're going, there's, there's no way. And Zechariah said, there's no way. Yeah, right. And leaned out. Mary said, I don't see a way. Yeah, but how? And leaned in and got rewarded for that. So that's what she's doing here. The angel answered, oh, the only way you're going to get there is through supernatural means. The Holy Spirit will come on you. And the power of the Most High, he's going to overshadow you. The Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, this is the woman I was talking about who was old, her husband, said, yeah, Right. Uh, even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive, she's in her sixth month. Circle this next line, Luke 1.37. Take it to the bank. Hold on to it through change. We'll build it out. For no word from God will... What's the next word? What's the next word? What's the next word? Yeah. How often does God's word fail? Never. It will not ever fail. And Mary is at a tension that many of us have faced at some point in our life when life changes. Am I going to hold on to circumstance or am I going to hold on to God's word? It's a tension. And Mary, if she could come and preach this message, she would say, 100% of the time, go with God's word. 
100% of the time. Maybe you're sitting there going, what? virgin birth? Gosh, is this 2017? How in the world do you believe in a virgin birth? Is that even important? I've told you before, uh, Larry King, remember that guy? He, CNN, 25-year run, Larry King Live. For his last week, they had this ceremony looking back all 25 years, and they asked him, if you could interview any guest, who would it be? And without beating, missing a beat, he goes, Jesus Christ. And they said, really, what would you ask him? Without beat, he says, oh, that's simple. I'd ask him if he was virgin born. And then he said this, that answer would change everything for me. I just want to say, this is really important, the virgin birth. And if you're struggling with the virgin birth, let us struggle with you and work through that with you. Uh, but I got, I got good news and bad news. You shouldn't really be struggling just with the virgin birth because we just worshiped for about 20 minutes. A homeless guy who lived for 33 years, predicted his death with pinpoint accuracy, was cold stone dead for three days, and then lived and resurrected himself from the dead, came through you know, hundreds of pounds of uh, stone and blockage and 80 pounds of grave clothes. That should be what you're struggling with. See, when you hold on to that and go, oh my gosh, he's alive, Jesus is alive, everything back from that is nothing, because his whole life is miraculous. I don't mean to belittle your struggle with the virgin birth, but struggle with the big stuff. Let me just talk about this. What's amazing is God humbled himself. God, completely limitless, eternal, universal. He contained himself in a single cell in Mary's womb. And then grew from there as a virgin, grew in her womb. Now, just follow this logic. If Jesus was born like every other person, like every other person's conceived, then he's not God in human flesh. And if he's not God in human flesh, we don't have a savior. We have a Jesus who is either an illegitimate son of Mary or simply a child born of a natural process, like I was born. That means he's not God. And if he's not God... All his claims are false. What we're doing here is, is, is a joke, right? But he was born of a virgin, apart from any human interaction. Because it's the only way God could come into the world and live a sinless life and save the world. And he says to you and me, change your plans. If you open your life to me, I will bring wholesale change beyond what you ever imagined. C.S. Lewis wrote a book about 60 years ago. I'd commend it to all of you. It's called, he was a Cambridge professor uh, and just an amazing thinker. Um, it's called Mere Christianity. And he talks about this. He has an illustration. Listen to this. Just, just track with me here. Imagine yourself as a living house. God comes in to rebuild that house. At first, perhaps you can't understand what he's doing. We've been there, right? He's getting the drains right, stopping the leaks on the roof, and so on. You knew those jobs needed doing, so you're not surprised. Now, most of us came to Christ on that premise. Something's broken in my life. I know there's a sin nature in me. God, come fix the broken thing. Fix my relationship. Fix my relationship with myself, with, with someone else. God, please. Lewis goes on. But presently, he starts knocking the house about in a way that hurts abominably. It does not seem to make sense in any way. What on earth is he up to? The explanation is Jesus is building quite a different house from the one you thought of. 
throwing out a new wing here, putting on an extra floor there, running up towers, making courtyards. Now, track with me. Two more sentences. You thought you were being made a decent little cottage by Jesus. He's building a palace. A palace that he will come and occupy himself. The only way that happens is by God trumping our little plans with his grand plan and saying to each one of us, change of plans. Knocking out walls is not pleasant. It hurts. And some walls God doesn't want to knock out. Sin knocks out. It's knocked out from someone else or sin has collided with our life. But God is a master architect. The key, the key to marriage, verse 37, no word from God will fail. Uh, this was not written in English. The Bible is written in an ancient Greek language. The word has a meaning, and we kind of lose some of the translation. It's been translated so many different ways. I memorized it in a different version that says, for nothing is impossible with God. But the word for word there, it's a Greek word called rhema, R-E-R-H-E-M-A, rhema. Here's what it means. This is so important. A spiritual reality. A spiritual reality. And the angel said to Mary, yeah, I know you're a virgin. Yeah, I know you've never been with a man. Yeah, I, I know the, the way that, uh, that physiology works. And I know it's impossible to have a baby without ever having a man and woman come together. But God's spiritual reality is greater than your physical reality. And God's spirituality, spiritual reality never fails. Why am I camping out on that? Some of you are holding on to a promise and your circumstances are betraying that promise, I'm here to encourage you. The story's not over. We just sang, you are good, you are good, you are good. I've heard from this platform. If it's not good, it's not from God, and it mustn't be over. You cling to God's word. You cling. I'm not just saying, I'm sorry, this sounds really like I'm wagging my finger. I'm not. I'm, I'm coming to you humbly. I'll just come down to your level. Hold on to God's promise. I know some of your stories, and it breaks my heart. I've been there where I'm just thinking, there's no way I can get out of this. There's no way. There's no way I'll ever find a smile again. And we can compare our sad stories, and I'm not, I'm not belittling yours. God will make a way if you're holding to a promise. That's all that little teenager had with the change of plans that was brought on her. And she held on to it. And it was enough. Now quickly, look at page two, and I'm going to say this very sensitively. The next thing, everything's going to change, so what do we do? I'm just saying this sensitively because I know there's a lot of pain in the room. Embrace it. Embrace it. Uh, what's the alternative? You can deny it. You can pretend. I promise you that those don't work. At some point, you're going to have to embrace. Uh, really quickly, many of you know my, my biggest pain around this season, uh, nine days before Christmas, uh, my brother was killed at 48 in a tragic hit and run. He was a biker in a tragic hit and run. Uh, and I remember I was studying at the time, it was, it was 14 years ago, I was studying at St. Pat's Seminary in Menlo Park. 
And I was there so often that they just gave me the keys. The librarian just gave me the keys and let me lock up. And I remember one night, it was December 22nd, I was preparing for Christmas Eve. We'd gone through all the, the pain and, and everything of Bob's memorials and stuff. And uh, I remember getting ready to close the light. It was like 5 o'clock. And my light was on. And if you know St. Pat's, it's almost like this gothic place. And I looked down the corridor, and my light was the only light on. And all I saw was darkness down the corridor. Can you see what I'm looking at? The light was behind me. And I remember saying to God, from the start, that death won't define me. My, Bob was everything to me. That death will not define me. And I looked at the darkness and sensed. Now, God didn't speak audibly, but I sensed God going, we have to walk down that corridor, metaphorically. We're going to walk down a dark valley, but I'll be with you. That was the promise I, held to, I had to hold on to. And I am here to tell you that, that God is much more faithful than our experience and our perception and our little three-pound brain. Okay? Let's look at what Mary did. How did she come? It was when I came to a place of embracing, and it happened over a matter of, for me, over a matter of months, that the healing started to happen. I denied it at first. I stiff-armed it at first. But it's only when I embraced it that God brought healing. So look what it says. Uh, now we're going forward. Now we're in the manger. When they'd seen him, and those were the shepherds, Mary's had the baby. Now we're in the manger. We'll, we'll get to this on Christmas Eve. When they'd seen Jesus, they spread the word concerning what they'd been told about the child. Shepherds are doing this. All who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up these things and pondered them in her heart. Okay, nine months forward, and Mary's going, whoa, she had a lot of expectations. Any pregnant women in the house? Anyone want to announce their pregnancy right now? <laughs> well, you know, you get nine months for a reason. You, you have to prepare. There's expectations, right? Mary got none of those for nine months. What did she get? She didn't get a baby shower. She didn't get her mom being there. She didn't get a warm, no one got a warm, but even a, a room to have this baby. She didn't get an epidural. She got a cave. That's what the manger was. It wasn't a wooden structure. It was a cave carved out of stone. She got stinky animals, socially outcast shepherds, right? All her plans were dashed, but she never let go of God's purpose. That's what we're trying to learn here. Now look at the text, okay? It says, the crowd were amazed. The, the shepherds came, told the story. Everyone in there's amazed, but contrast Mary's doing two things. Look at the words, uh, treasured up and pondered. Can you go to the next slide, Barney? What does it mean to treasure? Again, in the original language, it means this. It's a, it's a strange word, to memorize. What? Yeah, yeah, Mary, memorize. It's like she took a vivid imprint and said, I want to capture this moment forever. And she put it into her memory banks. She cherished it, pain and all. Yeah, this isn't what I wanted, but I'm holding on to this. And then the word to ponder means to converse with. She would converse the rest of her life with herself, with other people. This is anything but denial. This is actually seeking meaning from the Trinity. Remember last week, he's a wonderful counselor. We can converse with God. It's amazing. The whole point I'm trying to make is this. Life is filled with pain, especially for mothers, but for us all. Don't let the pain 
Have you missed God's purpose? Yeah, walls are being knocked out. Your little cottage isn't what it should be. But to use C.S. Lewis language, God's building a palace out of you. Let his purpose prevail. So what? What's the last thing? Page three, be like Mary. Look at her response. I, I don't think there's a braver line in all the New Testament from any lips other than Jesus. Jesus' words are brave. This is amazing. Luke chapter one, verse 38. I may not have put it in the slide, but it's in your notes. Look what it says. Mary says, now we're going back before the birth with the announcement, 13-year-old Mary. How can this be? She's leaned in. I'm the Lord's servant, Mary answered. And the English translators put it mildly um, to not lose sensitivity. I'll give you the original. Dulas, I am the Lord's slave. In other words, this is why I think it's so courageous. Can I get everyone's attention, please? I have no rights, Mary said. That decision was made long ago. So whatever you say, I'm in. I have no idea what the future holds. I can imagine. I have no idea the pain that's going to come my way, and she didn't. But here's my blank check. Here's the password to my PayPal, password to my Venmo. I'm all in. Is that scary? Uh, to the degree you know the character of God makes it less and less scary. When I, before I even knew God, before when I was a teenager, the thought of giving my whole life to Jesus Christ, I thought, no way. Could never do it. He'd ruin it. Coming to Christ and understanding his character, no one loves you more than the God of the universe. Well, why is this happening? Why am I in this situation? And I'm not belittling your situation. Because sin has entered the world. And one day, everything will make sense. And one day, all the pain will be relieved. Yes, plans have changed. But Jesus came to intercept the biggest change each one of us is headed towards. It's called death. And he's going to intercept that, if you let him, right now, so that you can live forever with him. And it all makes sense. So I'm going to pray. I'm going to invite us to do two things. I'm going to invite all of us to put our plans before the Lord for the next three weeks. Or maybe, I know there are many in this room sitting in pain. We've had some painful experiences in our body of late. Holding that before the Lord. And I actually got a text from someone yesterday who said, um, thanks for praying for me. I just texted them and said, I'm praying for you. They said, so many things are wrong. I can't even pray. I'm so numb. Maybe you're in that place. Let, the, let me pray for you and hold that before the Lord. And then if you've never invited Jesus to step into your life, to change your forever, to eradicate that change that's going to happen to each one of us at death's door, you're not sure where you'll spend eternity or how you can have a quality life right now, I'm going to invite you to let Jesus into that and start new life in you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for Mary. So much here. And Lord, we lay our plans before you. Starting with the next three weeks, there's so much expectation on this month, on that day. 
expectations of reconciliation uh, of strayed relationships or someone will take that invite that we have and they'll come and their life will be changed or uh, whatever, Lord, character will change or the pain will go away. We give you our plans for the next three weeks, whether it be a gift we really want, a meal we hope goes well, or something of stronger and more lasting significance. We trust that you're building a palace out of us. If you've never given your life to Christ, can I invite you to do that today? It's not magical. You can simply come to God because he's a good, good father, right? We, we just prayed that and sung that. I'm sorry. But you can say to God, Lord, I want a change of my whole life. I've been doing my life my way. This could be your prayer. I'm so sorry. It's wreaked havoc in my relationship with myself, in my relationship with others, and most importantly, my relationship with you. But if you really do offer forgiveness, I'm inviting you to step in and take control of my life. Make me the person you want me to be. All I have to offer you is ashes, really but bring beauty from those. I'm holding to your promise and no promise of yours, no word of yours will fail. We love you, thank you, and pray these things in Christ's name. Everyone said? Thank you so much for listening to the Peninsula Covenant Church podcast. We believe you're here for a reason and we would love to connect with you more. Our campuses are located in Redwood City, California. You can find us online at wearepcc.com and on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just search for We Are PCC. Our Christmas Eve services are coming up, and we would love to see you there. We have a 10 a.m. traditional service, and our contemporary services are 4, 6, and 8 p.m. All campuses will be meeting at our Farm Hill campus for Christmas Eve, so we can all celebrate the birth of Christ together. Thanks again for joining us. Have a great week.